MGM's 1939 classic, The Wizard of Oz. Many of you are familiar with the movie, familiar with that scene, and uh, it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyways. It goes without saying that it would have been foolish for Dorothy and her three friends after having seen what was going on behind the curtain to continue to pay attention to what was going on outside of the curtain. It would have been foolish for them to listen to the man behind the curtain say, no, pay no attention to the, to the man behind the curtain, knowing that there was a man behind the curtain. And rather than have their attention be drawn back to the green smoke and the lightning and the thunder, they went to the heart of the matter and they kept their attention on the man behind the curtain. And they saw the full picture, the full reality of what was going on. Now, that concept that what is going on behind the curtain is more important than what is going on outside of the curtain is really a concept that we're going to hit on in this series behind the curtain. And it's really a concept, what's going on inside the curtain, behind the curtain, is more important than what's going on on the outside of the curtain. That concept is really a concept that we see in a lot of different areas of life. Let me give you an example. The Center for Disease and Control controls, they say that one out of four of every American this year who dies will die of heart disease. And the most common form, the most deadly form of heart disease, coronary heart disease, is something where the arteries that supply blood and therefore oxygen to your heart, those things over time gradually become narrow because of plaque that builds up inside of them to eventually to the point where your heart is deprived of oxygen and you have heart disease. And they say that right now, there are 15 million Americans who suffer from either mild to severe forms of coronary heart disease. It's a lot of people, 15 million. But the vast majority of those 15 million people do not know what is going on inside of them this very moment. The vast majority of those 15 million Americans, some of us are included probably in those 15 million Americans, the vast majority of them do not know what is going on inside their hearts at this very moment. Now sometimes, when somebody has heart disease, before they know they have heart disease, they see some of the symptoms of heart disease. Symptoms like um, shortness of breath. Symptoms like uh, chest pain or heartburn. And they see the symptoms of heart disease, but they don't put the symptoms together with the actual heart disease. And that's the way symptoms work a lot in our lives, right? Symptoms have a way of grabbing our attention and getting us so fixated on the symptom and we just want to cure to the symptom that we don't really care what else is going on behind the curtain or what else is going inside our bodies. We just want the symptom to go away. And so we've got the heartburn and we go to the doctor and we get the anti-acid you know, pills or anti-suppressing you know, medication to get rid of the heartburn and we think that things are then going well. But inside... Behind the curtain of our chest or the curtain of our heart, there's something more going on. 
And just addressing symptoms of a real heart condition, of real heart disease, just addressing the symptoms, you know what that does? That allows the underlying heart disease to continue to get worse over time. It doesn't actually help anything. But we think, right, we think we've taken care of the heartburn, so we think things are getting better. But inside, underneath, behind the curtain, things are not actually getting better, they're actually getting worse. And so, while we don't like the idea lots of times of going to the doctor, and we wouldn't, you know, most of us wouldn't like the idea of having to go through the stress test on our heart and go through all of the the blood work and all of the other procedures that are associated with heart disease, we wouldn't like to go through that. In the end, it pays to get an accurate picture of what is going on inside our hearts. Because what is going on on the inside is more important than what is going on on the outside. Now the same is true when it comes to our spiritual hearts. The same is true in that there is something going on on the inside but doesn't always accurately reflect on how things are going on on the outside. However, all of us have a tendency when it comes to our spiritual hearts to focus on what is going on on the outside and pay attention to the things on the outside and address the issues that are going on in the outside in our lives rather than doing the difficult thing and examining what is going on inside our spiritual hearts. Now, part of the reason that that's difficult for us is that we live in a culture and we live in a world that pushes us to pay attention to what is going on on the outside. Let me give you an example. When you were a child, some of you are still children and you know what I'm talking about, but when you were a child, you understood that there were certain things you needed to avoid doing in order to avoid negative consequences in your life. You learned real quick that if doing something or saying something in particular led to some kind of consequence, a timeout or a spanking or something like that, you knew that if saying that or doing that led to some kind of negative consequence, then you learned to change your behavior very quickly. Or at the very least, you learned to cover up your behavior well. But the goal of that was you learned, or the result of that, I should say, the result is that you learned how to modify your behavior to live in such a way that you either avoided negative consequences or you had positive consequences as a result of the way that you were living your life. We had that all the time as kids. The truth is is that we still live that way as adults. All of us know that there are certain things we can say and certain things we can't say when we're out in public. All of us know that there are certain things we can say and certain things we can't say when we're on the job. All of us know that there are certain things we can say and at least certain things that we shouldn't say in our homes and in our marriages. We all know that, that we can act a certain way in one setting, in one situation in life, but in another situation in life, we can't act that same way. And so we've learned to modify our behavior to give off the correct impression that we want others to have of us. And all of us know how to do that very well. And we live in a world that encourages us to pay attention to our behavior. 
But the question is, how's it going inside your heart, your spiritual heart? How's it going inside your heart? It's an important question. And notice that the question is not, how's it going in your marriage right now? Those are only signs and symptoms of how it's going in your heart. The question is not, how's it going in your job right now or in your attitude right now or with your finances right now? Those things are all outward signs and symptoms of what's going on inside of our heart. And all of us, right, all of us have learned how to make ourselves on the outside look like things are going well without really talking about what's going on on the inside. And so throughout this series, we want to go behind the curtain of our hearts. We want to not pay attention to the outward symptoms and the outward signs that we so easily correct and manage to look good. But we want to take an honest assessment of what is going on inside our spiritual hearts. Now I'll just let you know up front that just like none of us would probably like to go to the doctor and have to go through the stress test on our heart and all of the blood work and all of the procedures and everything that goes into getting an accurate picture of what's going, inso- going on inside our physical hearts, it's not going to be easy for us and we're not going to want to peel back that curtain and look at what's going on inside our hearts. And yet Jesus says that that's an important thing that we need to do, that we need to really look at what is going on inside our hearts. And to do that this morning, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 15. Now, this is uh, an account in Jesus' life, so we're talking about 2,000 years ago. Things were a little bit different 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, God's people lived uh, with a set of rules that God had given them. Okay? And those rules, those were the primary rules in their lives that they were to follow. Now, the, in Jesus' day, the religious leaders of the day, they looked at those primary rules that God had given them, and they said, those are all fine and good, but it's too easy to break those rules of God. And so what we need to do is we need to come up with a secondary set of rules that basically are going to serve as a fence or a boundary so that you don't break God's primary rules. So the secondary rules help you keep the primary rule of God's law. Let me give you an example. In God's law, the primary rule, God said that you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath day, that one day of week, Saturday, you weren't supposed to do any kind of work. That was God's rule. The secondary rule, the fence rule, was that, okay, if you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath day, then we're going to make another rule to help you keep that primary rule. And the secondary rule is this. You can't touch money on the Sabbath day. Because if you're touching money, you're probably doing some kind of business transaction. So, no touching of money. That's our rule. That helps you keep God's rule of doing no work on the Sabbath day. Okay? So this is the culture and this is the world that Jesus lives in. We're going to get to a different primary rule and secondary rule in Matthew chapter 15 here that Jesus is going to talk about and he's really going to get at this issue of what's going on inside our hearts. So Matthew chapter 15 beginning at verse 1. 
Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? Tradition of the elders are the secondary set of rules around God's primary rule. Here's how they're breaking it. They do not wash their hands before they eat. Okay, so God's, second, God's primary rule is that you weren't supposed to come into contact with unclean things. And so the secondary rule, the, the, the rule that was to serve as this fence around God's rule was, okay, before you eat, just in case sometime during the day you came into contact with something that was unclean, you needed to give your hands a ceremonial washing, seven times dipping them in water. And what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are saying, hey, Jesus, you are teaching and promoting and allowing your disciples not to follow that secondary rule by not having them wash their hands seven times. And so they're calling Jesus out. Think about that. Here's Jesus, the guy who walked on water. Here's Jesus, the guy who raises people from the dead. Here's Jesus, the guy who heals people of their diseases. And they're saying, hey, Jesus, you who do all of these godlike things, all of these miraculous things, hey, you're not following our man-made rules. What's up with that? And so they call him out on that. Jesus, rather than dignifying them with a response, asked the question of his own. Verse 3, Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Let me give you an example of how you're doing that. For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. Anyone who curses or disregards, blatant disregard for their parents in the Old Testament was be, to be put to death. Some of you parents might wish that was still the case. In the Old Testament, there were no such things as retirement plans. There was no such thing as Social Security, 401Ks, or 501Ks, uh, Roth IRAs, anything like that. There were no ways, once you got old, to be provided for by really someone else or some other institution. So in the Old Testament, in, in Jesus' day, when you got old, it was the responsibility of your children to provide for you financially. It was the job of your children to provide for you with food to eat and a place to stay. That was their job. And God said, if you children, if you are neglecting your parents in such a way that they can't live, if you have such disregard for your parents, you're to be put to death. So God took taking care of your parents, providing for your parents, he took that very seriously. That was God's law. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they set up their own rule around God's law, and their own rule provided a loophole to what was going on inside their hearts. So going on, verse um, 4, God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say, here's your rule, but you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me, what you were supposed to receive from me, according to God, is a gift devoted to God. He is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your traditions. So the secondary rule that men had set up provided a loophole that did two things. One, it allowed you to get out of providing for your parents. And two, it allowed you to still look good doing that. It functioned this way, right? Mom and dad, they're like, we need some money or we need some food or we need a place to stay. And, and people would say to their parents, oh, I'm sorry, mom and dad. 
You know, I set aside this money for you, or I set aside this food for you, but you know what? I can't give it to you. I'm giving it to God. Doesn't that look good? On the outside, I mean, how can you argue with that? I mean, they're giving it to God. It looks good on the outside. Their behavior makes them look like they're doing a very good thing. And yet Jesus sees through and Jesus knows that it's more than just behavior that we're talking about. Jesus knows that it's a bigger issue than how we act on the outside. And so Jesus goes on and he says, verse 7, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips. Right? They say the things that appear godly. They say all the right things, and people look at what they're saying, and people look at how they're living, and they think, wow, look at how much they love God by what they're saying. Wow, look at how much they love God by how they're living their lives. Isn't that amazing? And Jesus says, no, you're just honoring me with your lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me. They appear as if they're worshiping me, but it's just in vain. It's for no reason. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. And what Jesus is starting to get at is that it's not the outward activity, it's not the outward behavior that counts. It's what's going on inside our hearts. Now Jesus goes on and he does something that uh, I think should really catch our attention. He goes on, verse 10, and he says, Jesus called the crowd to him. All right, So he's just kind of put these Pharisees on the spot and he's basically just told them, hey, you are nullifying God's word and your hearts aren't close to God. And now, hey, everybody... Stop what you're doing. Stop that conversation over there. Stop the transaction over there. Stop your walk to work. Everybody, come on over here. I've got something important to share with you. I've got something really big that you need to hear. And he says, listen and understand. Pay attention. What I'm about to tell you is not something that you're familiar with. What I'm about to tell you is not what you're accustomed to. You're accustomed to paying attention to your behavior. We are accustomed to paying attention to our behavior. And so Jesus says, listen and understand, verse 11, what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes a man unclean. It's not what's going on on the outside that accurately reflects how you're doing spiritually. It's what's going on on the inside which makes its way out of your mouth that is an accurate indication of how you're doing spiritually. What's going on behind the curtain is more important than what's going on outside of the curtain. Now, that's not the way we usually think. That's not the way that we usually take a look at our lives. We take a look at our lives and we think to ourselves, all of us do this, we think to ourselves, I'm doing a pretty good job behavior-wise. I'm saying the right things, I'm thinking or I'm doing the right things, so my behavior is pretty good. God likes good people, so God is a good God who likes good people and he'll take care of a good person like me. Look at my life. Look at what I'm saying. Look at what I'm doing. 
And then we, sometimes we look at our lives, at other times in our lives, we look at what's going on and, and we look at and we say, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. And we think, well, man, God is a good God and I'm not good. Why am I not good? Look at what I've done, right? And so God must not be happy with me because of my behavior. Look at how I'm living right now. Now, if you really think about that, it's not really true that we only feel bad or that we should only feel bad when our words and actions don't line up with what we know God would want us to do. But it's usually only when our words and actions come out of us that we feel ashamed or embarrassed or regret what we said or what we've done, right? All of us have had times in our lives when we catch ourselves and we're like, I can't believe I just said that. All of us had times in our lives when we've thought to ourselves, I can't believe I just did that, right? There's the shame, there's the embarrassment, there's the I can't believe I just probably hurt someone else by what I said or what I did. Right? We feel that. But think about it. How often haven't we had that same thought in our mind and before we've actually said it, our filter has stopped it. We've caught ourselves. Does that really count? Does that really make a difference that we had the thought but before we actually let the thought out of our mouths or the action out of our lives, we, we stopped ourselves and oh, oh, I'm so glad I caught myself. That was close. I almost said it. I almost did it. Well, does that really count? Does that really give an accurate picture? Because we stopped ourselves, does that really give an accurate picture of what's going on inside our hearts? And Jesus has got to say to us, you know what? Just because you didn't say it, and just because you didn't do it, doesn't mean that it doesn't count. Doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. Now, Jesus' disciples were confused by this. They didn't really understand. Man, what's going on on the inside is more important than what's going on on the outside. We've been taught our whole lives to pay attention to what's going on on the outside, just like we've been taught our whole lives to pay attention to what's going on on the outside. And so Jesus goes on and he clarifies himself, verse 17. He says, Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Do you need me to explain that any further? What goes in, 24 hours later, it's coming out. And that's not what matters. It's what's going on on the inside. Verse 18. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. And Jesus, for us, gets to the heart of the matter. That it's not outward behavior that, what God, that God looks at. God looks at our hearts. 
And we don't like that. We don't like that because we all know what's going on inside of our hearts. Yes, we do a good job of monitoring our behavior and changing our behavior when it's not in line with what, you know, the situation that we're in. And so we like to come back to behavior, behavior, behavior. Let's talk about our behavior. Let's talk about how to make our behavior better and people will look at us better. People will, you know, they'll think that we're good people if they look at our good behavior. And Jesus says it's not about your behavior. That's not what I'm focused on. Jesus says it's about your heart. And we need to come to grips and we need to come to reality with what is going on inside our hearts. And inside our hearts, it's evil, is what Jesus says. We like to think, because we like to look at behavior, we like to think that we're pretty good people. Look at what I've done. Jesus says, no, no, no. Look at your heart. And inside, it is evil. We don't like that. I don't like that. We don't like to have to spend time to stop and think about what is going on inside our hearts. And yet Jesus says that's something that we need to do. Because just like your physical heart, if all you do is pay attention to the symptoms and the signs and the things that are going on on the outside, what's going on with your physical heart? It's getting worse. When we look at just outward behavior, when we pay attention to what's going on on the outside of our lives, guess what's happening to our spiritual hearts? They're getting worse. And so throughout this series, we just want to keep coming back and peeling back, pulling back the curtain of our hearts and really examining what is going on inside our Now, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm not going to send you out the door and say amen. I want to go back to what David wrote, words that we looked at earlier from Psalm 51. Because you see, David was also a man that understood, understood that what was going on inside his heart was not always good. David understood that what was going on inside his heart was evil. And think about this. The Bible says of David that he was a man after God's own You know what that means? That we can be men and women after God's own heart and that doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. But we need to look at what's going on inside our hearts. There was a season in David's life where he had lustful thoughts about a woman that he saw. And rather than looking at what was going on inside his heart, David acted upon that lust, committed adultery with that woman, and she became pregnant. David tries to cover up that sin in his life. When his cover-up fails, he goes to plan B, and he has that man murdered. And then David thinks, hey, it all looks good on the outside again, so we can go on with life. And David fails to examine what's going on inside his heart until someone helps him. 
And it's after someone confronts David with the reality of what's going on inside his heart that David writes this prayer, Psalm 51. And in this prayer, David says that when he was struggling and when he was just holding on to that guilt that was inside his heart, when he wasn't dealing with the true condition of what was going on inside his heart, that it was like his bones were wasting away. And so he brings that before God. And then in the last verse that we looked at before, David says, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Create in me a pure heart, O God. God, you need to be the one who puts a pure heart, a clean heart inside of me. This is not something that happens on its own. This is not something that happens naturally. God, I need you to put inside of me a pure heart. A good heart. A perfect heart. And there we meet Jesus. The only person who has ever lived with a pure heart. A good heart. A perfect heart. And there you go back 2,000 years and you go to the life of Jesus. And there you have a man who lived perfectly There you have a man who was blameless before God throughout his entire life. There you have a man who says to his heavenly father, Father, I want you to take the evil hearts, the sins of the world, the sins of you and I, I want you to take all of that and I want you to put it to and charge it to my account so that when I hang on that cross and I receive your wrath, I do it in their place. So that when I hang on that cross and you turn your back on me, it's so that you don't turn your back on them. So that when I die, I pay the penalty of not my sin, but their sin. And so God gives to Jesus our evil hearts. And he pays with his life on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. And he doesn't just stop there. Three days later, he rises from the dead as the savior of the world, and he can say to you and I, I now give to you my pure heart, my clean heart. When my father now looks at you, he no longer sees, right now, he no longer sees your evil heart. He sees my pure heart inside of you because I've given it to you as a gift. I've placed my pure heart in you. And then David goes on and he says, look, I know myself, I know the world that I live in, and so don't just create it in me, renew that spirit inside of me. Daily help me to fight against the sin in my life. Daily renew that heart, that pure, good, perfect heart that you have placed inside of me. And so throughout this series, We want to come back and pull back the curtain to our hearts. And we want to say with David, God, create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, it's not easy looking inside our spiritual hearts. It's easy for us to focus on behavior. It's easy for us to try and and modify our behavior to make it look like we're good, but Lord, you know what's going on inside our hearts. 
And Lord, so do we. And so, Lord, we bring to you our sinful, wicked hearts. And we ask for your forgiveness. We come to you with sinful, wicked hearts. And we hear the words of Jesus saying, I take your sinful heart and I give to you my pure, perfect, clean heart. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to pause in our lives, to look into our hearts, to see the true condition. And Lord, we also thank you that there is forgiveness in Jesus. We thank you that you have made us right through Jesus. And Lord, we ask that you would strengthen our hearts to live for you every day of our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.